Christians often despair for the state of our country and the future that is being created for our children. We feel like this is the worst it's ever been. So what are Christians supposed to do? My answer is the same thing that we have been doing for 2000 years. I will detail that encouragement for you today. But first, we're going to talk about some craziness. We're going to talk about the trans day of visibility slash vengeance that was supposed to happen this weekend. In some places it did happen and it was violent. In other places it didn't end up happening. What really went on? What does it mean? What did our presidential administration have to say about all of it? And also we're going to talk a little bit about the Trump indictment. My analysis as a Christian female Republican voter and the impact that I think it will or will not have on the election. And also we'll talk about some good stuff that's happening in our culture, people effectively pushing back against the progressive chaos that we see going on. So lots today, lots today, and then a special segment at the end. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Ali at checkout. That's GoodRanchers.com, code Ali. Hey guys, happy Monday. Welcome to Relatable. Hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. All right, we've got a few things to get through today. Some things I'm just going to go through quickly because I just want to talk about them, mention them. I don't want anyone to say, why haven't you talked about this yet? So I'm going to talk about some things that we don't have time to get in depth on. And then I also just want to give you some Monday encouragement. I asked you guys on Instagram, what do you want to hear about? And a lot of you said, oh, I need to be reminded of who God is and his faithfulness. And so we will certainly talk about that. I'll talk a little bit about a speech or kind of repurpose a speech that I gave this weekend in Kentucky at the Answers in Genesis conference. It was a women's conference. And I don't know if you've ever been to the Ark Encounter that has a replica of the Ark. It is incredible. The facility is just absolutely amazing. They've done a top-notch job. The experience is so cool. And so I got to speak alongside a lot of amazing Christians and met a lot of you there. Thank you for those of you, uh, for those of you who came out and who uh, stopped by to meet me and get me to sign your book. It was really just such a fun experience. But I gave some encouragement there, and that is also what I want to give you today. So let's look at the craziness, some of the craziness that's happening. I want to talk about one cool thing that I've seen happen and just the reform or the form of resistance against the progressive zeitgeist of today. And then I'll get into that encouragement. And then the most important part of our show is producer Bree is going to summarize her experience at the Taylor Swift concert. Now, some of you curmudgeons out there are going to be like, I don't care about Taylor Swift. I don't want to hear about it. That's fine. You can dip out early. You don't have to hear it. But some of you do. I do. I want to hear a review of the Taylor Swift concert. And so we're going to get to that at the end. All right, let's get started with the Trump indictment. And this is one of those subjects that I was referencing that I I just don't want to hear. Why haven't you talked about this? You don't think this is important? You've been anti-MAGA since the beginning. Whatever it is, whatever y'all are about to say on YouTube, because I haven't talked about this enough, I'm just going to mention it. I'm not going to go into detail because there are lots of details about this. And also, that's not really why you guys come to me. When I asked you on Instagram yesterday, what do you want me to talk about tomorrow? I got either zero or maybe one. 
I don't know. I will say that maybe there was one person who said, I want you to talk about the Trump indictment. The truth is, there are a lot of people out there talking about this. There are a lot of people who have been um, following this story very deeply for a long time. We mentioned it, I believe it was last week or it was a couple weeks ago. I lose track of time when I talked to my dad and he was talking about whether there would be a perp walk and all that. So you can go back and you can listen to our summary of it. There have been some developments, and so I'll tell you a little bit about that right now. If you want a detailed analysis of this, you should go to the many, many conservative podcasts that I'll be talking about this today. But because a lot of you follow this show exclusively for your news, I do just want to make sure that you know what's going on. So here's a summary. Trump was indicted on Thursday. This is a big deal. You probably saw a lot of headlines. I think it was the cover of the New York Times magazine that I saw at the airport. He will surrender to law enforcement on Tuesday, so tomorrow. He's also giving a speech tomorrow. I'm a little unsure about that timeline. Maybe someone can clear that up for us. Uh, the charges were not made public, but he supposedly is facing over two dozen counts related to business fraud. His lawyer claims he does not expect him to do a perp walk or get a mug shot. That's what we talked about with my dad a couple weeks ago. And he is planning a to motion to dismiss all charges. This is the first ever criminal case against a former U.S. president. And obviously, as people are saying, as I agree with, this is a political witch hunt. We're talking about misdemeanors here, trying to make it a uh, 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 a felony. And so the fact that Alvin Bragg is trying, is wasting his time on Donald Trump's case, rather than focusing on the crime that is rampant in his own district, shows you the motivations. This is obviously not the first DA to try to do this against Trump. And so we know what the play is here. We know that this is politics. And this marks a really dark and a really sad turn in our nation's history. And the fact that they're doesn't seem to be any really prominent, loud voices on the left saying, you know what, I don't like Trump, but I think that this is too far. This is a very weak legal case. I don't think that we should set this kind of precedent. Look, if you haven't noticed, the left is not interested in whether or not something is hypocrisy or whether or not something sets a bad precedent. They are playing to win. It's really only the right that thinks about that and cares about that. Oh, we don't want to do this because it sets a bad precedent. We don't want to do this because maybe it's unfair. How would we like like it if the other side did that. The right thinks about that, and I'm not saying that's a morally bad thing. It's because there are far more principled people, far more heterodox people also on the right than there are on the left, but the left plays to win. That's also why we are where we are in any of this mess that we're talking about. So rather than get into all the details of it, which again, you can go and read. We can even link some sources in the description. If you want to go read it, you can go um, listen to the many analyses out there of what's going on. Here's my assessment, just based on the demographic that I represent, the audience that I have, the conversations that I have with you guys. Demographic I represent, the vast majority of this podcast is a very unique conservative political podcast audience. Just because of the nature of what we talk about, it's not straight news. We talk about so many things. It is women ages about 25 to 45. There are people who fall outside of that. There's plenty of related bros out there. There are people who, women who are in college, there are older women. 
There are all different kinds of people who listen to the show, but that's the largest chunk. That's the vast majority of our audience, women ages 25 to 45. And because I interact with you guys so much, because I really pay attention to what you guys say, the feedback that you give me, I have a pretty good, not a perfect by any means, but a pretty good finger on the pulse of what the evangelical, the conservative evangelical woman is thinking. And here's what I keep hearing over and over again, that this seals the deal for the Trump Republican nomination. He will absolutely be our next president now because this happened. This is going to rile people up more than anything that you've ever seen before. This is going to mobilize so many people. It's going to gain so much enthusiasm for the cause of Donald Trump. There's just no way he could lose now. This is the biggest long-term political favor the Democrats could be giving the Republican Party or specifically Donald Trump. I think people are overestimating how much people are paying attention to this and how much people care about this. I'm not saying that they shouldn't care. I'm not saying that it is not important. I'm just saying I don't think the average conservative who is going about her day-to-day life focused on the day-to-day things is really paying that much attention to what is happening to Donald Trump right now, believe it or not. I think we who are online and I'm online a lot less than another, than a lot of other conservative commentators on are. I'm uh, a lot less on Twitter than a lot of them are. I think that being on Twitter so much and being so sucked into the media can really warp how you see other people and public opinion. I don't think that most conservatives would say they're excited about it. I think most conservative women would say, yeah, that's really bad. That scares me. It scares me for the future of our country. It scares me for really even the future of my family, these kind of political witch hunts. But I do not think it puts this determination in most average conservatives to make sure that Donald Trump becomes president again. I just don't think so. I think actually a lot of people are thinking, look, I don't really want a president who just wants to be president because he has a personal vendetta. Again, I'm not saying whether or not I disagree with any of this. I'm just telling you from my observations what I think is going through the minds of a lot of people. Yeah, that's scary, but this has been a witch hunt against Donald Trump for a long time. Maybe they're thinking, I'm not really that surprised by that. I guarantee you this does not change what that demographic, what this voting demographic thinks about Donald Trump. Which is, I think, look, they liked Donald Trump as president. They can look past a lot of the things that people said that we should care about, the tweets and the accusations of racism and things like that, which most people think are just, or most people on this side just think are silly and hypocritical at this point. Um, But I think that most of them feel, look, we're still tired of Trump. I think most of them feel, yeah, he did his part. He played his role. We're very thankful for that. And I'm sorry about what's happening to him. And I'm scared about what's happening right now in our country. But they still don't want him to be president. They still want someone younger. They still want someone fresher. They still want someone who would have handled COVID differently. They still want someone who is more morally and culturally aligned, who is not supporting the right-wing LGBTQ caucus which Donald Trump does. They still want someone with a little bit more tact. 
And so I think people on our side, commentators, are overestimating how impactful this is going to be on Donald Trump's political future. I don't think it's going to have nearly as much influence on the average Republican voter, on the average conservative, as people think. Like I said, I mean, we've got a very, thankfully, by the grace of God and the hard work of a lot of people, we've got a very large audience here at Relatable. Most of them are women. Most of them are Christian conservatives. That's a large voting block. Will they vote for Trump if he's the nominee? Yeah, they will. They're tired of all of the leftist nonsense. Will they vote for him in the primaries? Mostly not. And this arrest doesn't change that. So that's my only analysis. Just from my perspective, you can hate me for that. You can get angry. Whatever. I don't really care. I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you as someone who probably has a better idea of what conservative women are thinking than anyone else in the conservative commentator space, because I'm so constantly interacting with those people that that is probably probably where the majority lie. If you're outside of what I just described, that's fine. I think you're an exception to the rule. Um, But yeah, I think that's where we are. So that's my only analysis. That's my only analysis of that. And then we'll talk about it more. We've got Steve Dace coming on the show on Wednesday, and you know that his analysis is just always incredible and spot on. So he will talk a little bit more about the impact and the implications of all of this, what it means for the future of our country and specifically Christians then. So let's move on, though, to the rest of the craziness. We talked about political craziness. Let's talk about the cultural, uh, cultural and moral craziness that's going on in our country, as we so often do. Uh, But let me pause. Let me tell you about our first sponsor for the day. And that is a new sponsor. I just talked to them on the phone last week. And I'm like, yes, this is going to be perfect for my audience. This is the exact kind of company that you guys are looking for. And it's Constitution Wealth. Constitution Wealth is a conservative Christian financial investment firm. When I talked to them last week, they were like, we're just tired of these investment firms going woke and not aligning with their customers, their customers who want to invest money in the causes that they really believe in and align with their principles, they have to go through this company that has values directly opposed to them. So that's why Constitution Wealth came into existence. They believe that when it comes to investing, personal values should always play a large role in wealth management. It's hard to disagree with that. I mean, where your money is, there your heart will be also. Like there certainly should be a wedding of values and how you spend your money. And that's why I think working with a company like Constitution Wealth is so important. You're not only looking at the numbers during while while you're figuring out your investments, you're looking at your core values as well, how they align with the directions that your money is going. They respect liberty. They respect the values, the principles that you and I have. They want to help people reach their God-given potential. And so this is the kind of company that you're, if you're looking at investments, this is the kind of company that you want to work with. They're just great people. And this is just another way to stop giving your time, stop giving your money to companies that hate you. Go to constitutionwealth.com slash Schedule a free consultation. There's no obligation or anything like that. Just check them out. I think they'll be an awesome alternative for you. Go to Constitution constitutionwealth.com slash alley for that free consultation constitutionwealth.com slash alley this weekend was supposed to be a 
Trans Day of Visibility slash a Trans Day of Vengeance. So we talked about this last week. This was scheduled before the horrific Nashville shooting happened last week. The Trans Day of Vengeance. This was supposed to be some big protest, some big demonstration in Washington, D.C. And the reason for it was because there has been, in their words, anti-trans or anti-LGBTQ legislation passed in all of these states. Again, just to break down what they mean by that, because the left loves to use euphemisms to make their sign sound moral and compassionate. What they're talking about is the legislation in various conservative states that are either protecting women's sports and privacy. So for example, in the state of Arkansas, a law was passed that said, look, girls get to play against girls. Boys don't get to play against girls in sports. And also boys who think they're girls don't get to go into girls' locker rooms. They don't get to go into girls' bathrooms. So this is protecting girls' rights, their privacy, their fairness in competition, their safety, their well-being. Identifying as something doesn't change what you are. Your biology, your body is still a man. And look, identities... um, aren't what is a threat to sports and to privacy and fairness for girls. Bodies are. So identities don't compete in track and volleyball and basketball. Bodies do. So it doesn't really matter that so-called Leah Thomas says that he's a woman. He still went through male puberty, period, end of story. And so bodies are competing here. Bodies that are male should not have a right to compete against women in sex-exclusive sports. And so that's what these trans activists are talking about, that women's rights and privacy and fairness are all being protected in these states. And not only that, they're talking about the legislation in states that are protecting children from things like chemical castration, from puberty blockers, from double mastectomies that is happening in states across the country. It's happening in California. It's happening in Washington. Um, It's even happened uh, in states that you wouldn't expect. It's happening in even red states. We saw that whistleblower who was working at a a gender clinic in St. Louis who came out and talked about all of the horrific things happening to minors who can't even fully comprehend what they say that they want to go through, which is this process of switching their gender, the cross-sex hormones, the puberty blockers, and how that's damaging their mind and their bodies and their emotions forever, rendering them permanently sterile. And so these laws are saying, look, we understand that kids can't consent to sexual activity with adults. Minors cannot consent. Their brain aren't fully developed. It's wrong. We're going to bar legally that kind of activity. And look, these things, these processes, which are just as damaging long-term that maim their bodies forever, they can't consent to those things. It's wrong. It's all more than that, more than the consent argument, because I also argue against trying to argue morality simply based on consent, because I think it's flimsy. That's only one part of the measure of morality and virtue. It's not the primary part or the largest part. It's one factor in that equation. It's also built on a lie. That's the most important thing. Like it's built on a lie. It's not just that it's harmful to their bodies. It's not just that they can't consent. It's that it's built on a lie. Like you shouldn't allow cross-sex hormones and you shouldn't allow puberty blockers. You shouldn't allow these procedures. Uh, for this population, for these for these minors, because 
it's built on a lie. It's always a lie, by the way. It doesn't matter if they're an adult or a child, but it's built on a lie. You can't change your gender. You can't change your sex. And yes, those terms, those ideas are interchangeable. They're not in any real biological sense, two separate categories. And so this trans day of visibility, this trans day of vengeance that they're talking about is because of these laws, these laws that are protecting the bodies, the health, the uh, fertility long-term of these minors undergoing these very lucrative procedures. It's protecting women, it's protecting girls, and some States are also saying, look, you can't take, you can't have a drag show that targets kids in attendance. I'm sorry, you can't. Boo hoo if you want to cry about that. And you know what's incredible about the left is that they never cease to amaze me. I should stop being surprised. A few months ago, when all of these videos started circulating of these drag queens dancing for kids, and I know you could think it's so innocent, it's so inclusive, there's nothing sexual about that. Man, I don't want to encourage you to go on Twitter. I certainly won't encourage you to download TikTok, but it doesn't take that long to look at the sexual nature of a lot of these drag shows. You can follow libs of TikTok. She's got example after example. She's not creating or fabricating these clips. I mean, there are literally videos, and I don't want to play them because they're so perverse, of drag queens giving lap dances to minors. We're talking about men dressed up in prosthetic breasts and thongs and corsets and fishnet tights and high heels dancing and twerking for kids. And you're telling me the law shouldn't protect kids against this? This has nothing to do with inclusion or tolerance, or maybe it does, and those things are actually bad when it comes to evil. But there's nothing virtuous, nothing good about that at all. And I'm actually just very concerned in general that there is any parent that exists that would want to take their kid to something like that. But just a reminder also, there is no non-predatory reason for a grown man to want to dress up like a sexualized character of a woman and dance for children. There's no innocent reason for that. If a man has a desire to dance that way, to dress that way, to perform that way in front of a child, there is something very perverse and wrong with that man. We are talking about grown men. Like we're talking about grown men twerking for children. And the fact that there are people on the left who are okay with that, who celebrate that, and that's, I think I didn't complete my thought. A few months ago when all of this was starting to come out. And I said, you know what, this is now we'll have to, you know, put the left um, on the spot. And now they'll have to defend these drag shows for children. They'll never be able to do that. There's no way they're going to be able to defend themselves. I mean, they just did it. They just did it. Like they were just like, yeah, we're good with that. We're cool with that. I haven't seen any prominent voice on the left say, oh, no, man, for kids. Like, even if you're someone that's okay with drag and you think drag is cool, you think trans is cool, like, I haven't seen any prominent voice in the media on the left say, oh, no, for kids, though? Like, there's no even remotely rational voice that I'm seeing platformed on the left say that kind of thing. Like, they are so much more uniform in their messaging than the right is because they are all just, like, uniformly depraved in that way. Um... 
And so that's what the Trans Day of Vengeance was about. It was supposed to be this past weekend, and they are going to show vengeance to the world and vengeance to these politicians and vengeance to these so-called transphobes because of these very logical and common sense laws that are being passed. And of course, this is happening less than a week. It was planned uh, to happen less than a week after a person who identified as the opposite sex, a woman who identified as a man, killed six people. Killed six people at a Christian school, including three nine-year-olds. And so what has been the response to all of this? Because the Trans Day of Vengeance, also I meant to know, it didn't actually end up happening, the rally in D.C., because they were scared for their own safety. They were scared for their own safety. And that's something that we talked about a lot last week, that all of the responses by this trans activist community, all of the responses on the left in the media, even from this administration, as we'll get into again today, has been about, oh, poor trans people. Trans people are at risk. Trans people are so brave. Madonna said that she's going to put on a concert supporting trans people because now they're being targeted in light of the Nashville shooting. Miley Cyrus is doing something similar. So the real victims aren't the people whose blood was shed by a person who happened to be or identify as transgender. The real victims are trans people, the people who believe that they're the opposite sex. It doesn't make any sense. And also trans people, trans activists, at least after that, they didn't stop threatening violence. They didn't stop enacting violence. We saw this horrible situation in Vancouver with um, uh, an advocate, uh, an anti-puberty blockers and child transition advocate, Chris Elson. He goes by Billboard Chris on Twitter. He was in Vancouver, and it was a trans day of visibility rally there, and he was wearing a sign reading, children cannot consent to puberty blockers, which, of course, is true. And again, that's not the only problem with it. The problem is that it's based on a lie, and it's also bad for them. Even if they could consent, it would still be wrong. Um, and so he is. he was then assaulted by a trans person there, um, simply for wearing this sign. He was peaceful. He was trying to inspire conversation. That's what he does. He travels the country to different places and he tries to get people to talk to them. He tries to change their mind. And so, of course, he knew he was walking into a lion's den. But guess what? You have the right to do that. He was nonviolent. He was peaceful. Children don't have the right to consent to puberty blockers. This is what got him assaulted by these predators. So here's a little clip of that. You suck. You suck. You you're not wanted. You, you're, you're a idiot. You're a idiot. I don't know what to say. These police are mostly indoctrinated as well. You, 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 Okay, so if you're not watching, um, there is someone with long hair is very obviously identifying as transgender, had makeup on. Trying, trying the best, Try, trying the best. But anyway, um, you know, acting like men do when they are uh, feeling aggressive and when they're not reined in by any virtue or morality or value of peace, uh, this dude who was harassing, uh, harassing Chris was being extremely aggressive, saying, F you, F you, you suck when he was trying to give an interview. And then you see he tried to push him to the ground and they ended up, 
um, falling to the ground in this assault. The police do nothing. And actually, Chris tried to report this to the police, to talk to the police that were standing there and saying, did you not see this person assault me? And the police officer actually told him, and he has this on video, tweeted it out. This female police officer said, oh, no, you provoked that. You provoked that violence. Really, you incited that violence. How did he incite that violence? By wearing a sign that said children can't consent to puberty blockers. I mean, these are some of the most violent and vile, aggressive, masculine activists out there. I mean, it's really incredible for people who like are dying for the world to know that or to believe that they are really women, that they're so feminine, that they're so dainty. I'm like, maybe try not to act like a violent male criminal. Like, did you think of that? Like, maybe, I don't know, maybe try not to act like a a, a male abuser. I don't know. Maybe that's an idea. But they can't because they still have testosterone pulsing through their veins. And testosterone is great. It's great. Men are awesome. They're, they have an incredible capacity and incredible strength that can either be used for good or for evil in a way that, quite frankly, like women don't have that strength and aggression that is innate. And men can be used in incredibly heroic ways, but they can also, as we just saw, be used in incredibly harmful and damaging ways. So again, all of these men who want people to believe that they're women, maybe stop acting like the very worst of men that the planet has to offer. So that's what happened to Chris over the weekend. I feel really bad for him. And having no help and no support whatsoever from the police, knowing that the police is on their side, is on the side of these violent activists, it's wild. And by the way, like, why do we need a trans day of visibility? We see them everywhere and everything constantly. I cannot scroll without seeing Dylan Mulvaney on my on my timeline. Now he's doing advertisements for Bud Light. What? Is, it, is this the people who drink Bud Light? They want to see Dylan Mulvaney drinking cans of Bud Light in the bathtub? I have a hard time believing that. I have a hard time believing that. But trans people, people who think that they're the opposite sex, that's what we're talking about, are extremely visible. So visible. We actually just watched one kill six people. So I'm not really sure what this day was trying to accomplish, except for showing us once again, that they are actually a very, very, at least the activist class. I'm not saying everyone who identifies this way, the activist class is extremely violent and aggressive. They were very visible over the weekend. We saw that. Okay, we're going to get into a couple more examples in just a second. Let me pause and tell you about our next sponsor for the day. One of my favorites is Carly Jean Los Angeles. You guys know how much I love Carly Jean Los Angeles' clothes. And let me just tell you, I don't like any other jeans now except for my Carly Jean jeans. I'm wearing them at the moment. And I am um, almost five months pregnant. And I can still wear the jeans, my Carly Jean jeans, that I was wearing pre-pregnancy. And that's not because... I don't look pregnant because I definitely do, but their jeans are so comfortable and so stretchy and so versatile for every stage of my life that I can wear them 
all the time. Now, the time is probably uh, running out that I can actually still be able to button these, but the fact that they're that stretchy without um, getting so loose during the day that I don't want to wear them is really incredible. They're so high quality. All their stuff is high quality, very simple, very beautiful, makes you feel good in what you're wearing. That's why they exist. They also share the same values that you and I do. Go to CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com. Use promo code AllieB at checkout. That's CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com, code AllieB. Okay, there were also rallies um, by leftists and in particular people who called themselves trans at various capitals in uh, red states over the weekend. At the Kentucky State Capitol, LGBTQ protesters stormed the Kentucky Capitol building and rallied in downtown on Friday. This is two days after the Kentucky General Assembly voted to override a gubernatorial veto on legislation that bans quote unquote gender-affirming care for transgender youth. Of course, there's no such thing as gender-affirming care that actively tries to change a person's gender. And then also in Kentucky, also in Texas, I believe there was also one in Tennessee um, where these transgender activists, I think maybe we played that. No, we didn't play it last week. But there is a clip circulating, I believe, in the... Tennessee Capitol. Where's the one that happened with the guy who looked like, oh, it was Kentucky. It was Kentucky. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll play we'll play that clip in a second of the rallyers, the protesters, basically basically staging an insurrection, so I'm told. This is this is called a violent insurrection at the state capitals. Again, again, just a few days after a person who identifies as trans murdered people in Texas. Like their biggest concern, their highest concern is their own self-regard. Their highest concern is that kids can still access puberty blockers, rendering themselves sterile. So here's Kentucky. So that guy looks like the QAnon uh, shaman that we saw on January 6th that was in prison for his insurrection. This guy is only going to get awarded because the people in charge care more about being allies of LGBTQ people than they do justice or fairness or anything like that. Um, Okay. Here is... uh, Here is Texas, the rally there. Drag queens don't hurt children. Guns hurt children. Protect trans kids. 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 Protect trans Okay, so if you're not watching that, they're like laying on the floor of the Texas Capitol, I guess, in like a die-in to try to say you're killing people. There's no such thing as a trans kid. There's no such thing as a trans kid. Okay, there's there's no such thing. I mean, there's no such thing. You can believe that you're the opposite gender. That doesn't make you anything other than a male or female, whatever your chromosomes are. There was also a Vengeance Day in Los Angeles. The same kind of thing. Again, very, very aggressive people who have no concern whatsoever with the safety or well-being of others who only want the rights 
to be able to go into the opposite bathroom, the opposite locker room, to be able to be identified as something that they will never be no matter how many hormones or how much surgery they have. They want everyone to celebrate and affirm the lie that they have been deluded, deluded to think is true, which is very sad. Like I have a lot of compassion for some of these people. Now, some of these people I have a hard time mustering compassion for because they're very violent. They're very mean-spirited. But a lot of these people have just bought into a lie. They've bought into a lie. And they have been harmed themselves. A lot of these people are survivors of some kind of sexual abuse, especially the women who want to become men. So I have a lot of sadness for them. I have a lot of curiosity about what their parents were doing. Some of their parents did the best that they could. They tried. Some of their parents just affirmed this madness. And so You have to have some compassion that these deceivers have also been deceived themselves. And you do have to have some sorrow for that, that at one point they were just like innocent kids. They were just normal human beings. And maybe they felt a little bit different. Maybe they were bullied. Maybe they were ostracized in some way. And now they've come to believe something about themselves that isn't true. And now they are weaponizing that delusion against other people in some ways that is very violent. Um, And yet the White House is not interested at all in talking about that. They're not interested at all in even questioning the health of some of the procedures that are being pushed on these children and on these people. They're, They're not even going to mention the pattern of violence that we see from the activist class here. Instead, they are just going to honor this idea that a man can become a woman and vice versa and paint them again less than a week after the Nashville shooting happened as unconditional victims. So one day before the so-called Transgender Day of Visibility, President Biden issued an official proclamation declaring that transgender Americans shape our nation's soul and established a holiday relating to the group. Absolutely absurd. If you think about what this is, why would we need to celebrate people who think that they're the opposite sex? How did that become a celebrated or protected class? Actually, we know the answer to that question because we've analyzed the history of that, the roots of that ideology for a very long time. But it's crazy how quickly this has happened in the past few years. So no proclamation went out with the names of the victims in Nashville. I don't think he's visited Nashville. I don't think he's talked to these families. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But I, I'm wrong. I haven't seen that. Actually, the statements that we've seen from the president when it comes to the Nashville shooting are very strange. The first thing that he said after it when he was supposed to address the crowd, you'll remember, was talking about um, thinking that there was ice cream and the ice cream in his freezer. I have not seen him, at least not at the same level that he is honoring so-called trans people, honor the victims in Nashville, or even mention the fact or the possibility that these people were targeted because they were Christians at a Christian school. Instead, he has bent over backwards or his handlers have to make sure that trans people know that even a member of their activist group committed this crime, that they are above reproach, that they are going to be protected and honored and celebrated beyond anything any other group can really imagine. A lot of people struggled with his statement that transgender people shape our nation's soul. And basically they said, no, they don't. No, they don't. Well, actually, I would say they do. They absolutely shape our nation's soul. Everyone in this country, every group, every individual shapes our nation's soul. But how you answer the question of how they shape our nation's soul really indicates to me everything about what you believe. Like it indicates to me uh, what you believe about God. 
what you believe about the soul, what you believe about right and wrong, what you believe about reality. Of course, it tells me what you think about the culture wars and politics and all of that. If you think that the idea of transgenderism shapes our nation's soul for the better, okay, then we are on opposite sides. If you think that this kind of delusion that is harming human beings, breaking apart families, and rendering children permanently sterile, and introducing children to sexual and confusing topics at an early age, if you think all of those things are good, then we are diametrically opposed in every way. So they do shape our nation's soul. Our nation's soul, though, is rotting. Our nation's soul is really dark. Our nation's soul is really lost. So it's true that transgenderism and so-called transgender people are shaping our nation's soul, but I would say in a way that is harmful for everyone, including those people that identify as the opposite sex. And so he issued this long official proclamation. I'm not going to read you the whole thing. It ends, now therefore I, Joseph R. Biden Jr., President of the United States of America, by virtue of authority vested in me by the Constitution and the laws of the United States, do hereby proclaim claim March 31st, 2023 is the transgender day of visibility. Again, already extremely visible. There is no need for a day honoring this or declaring this in any way. It's insane. White House Press Secretary uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre declared that transgender people are quote unquote under attack. Here she is at the podium saying that. Our hearts go out to uh, the, the trans community as they are under attack right now. So that's where her priorities lie. She also tweeted about this. Uh, She tweeted, this year's Transgender Day of Visibility comes in the midst of a historic wave of attacks on transgender kids. Again, no such thing as that. There are no attacks on them. There are no attacks on kids who are confused about their gender. There are people who are willing to stand in their stead. There are people who are willing to protect them. People who are willing to say, no, you are not going to go through with that procedure. I'm sorry that you're confused. Let us do everything that we can to try to reconcile your confused mind with the reality of your body. But we are not going to allow you at least while you're a minor to maim your body to try to conform to something that is just not true. That is logical. That is rational. That is moral. If you disagree with that, then you are irrational and you are immoral. There's no nuance there. There's no gray there. If you are trying to change a child's body or even appearance to match something that is just not true, a lie that they have in their mind that is immoral, that is irrational, that is cruel. Of course, the law should have something to say about that. But these people, they are Romans 1 made manifest. They're deluded in the darkness of their minds. They have exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They worship the God of self rather than the God of scripture. The God of self is delusional. It is irrational. It is illogical. That's what sin does to you. That's what Satan does to you. It it is immoral. And as I said on Twitter, there is no use arguing with people who are more worried about transphobia than they are the lives of these children uh, or the lives of these people, rather, three adults, three children that were murdered in Nashville. There's no, there's no use arguing with them because they are so very deluded. They've got a brain, they've got a mind of mush and a heart of stone. And aside from the Holy Spirit, like aside from a God-given awakening and the core of their being, they will not be able to understand you. If you try to explain to them why that's irrational or immoral, it will be like you are speaking Mandarin to them. It will be like you're speaking a different language because they operate 
on another plane. They operate on a different level and they cannot understand that which is good and right and true no matter how hard you try. God has got to change their mind and change their heart. And I pray that he does because in the meantime, kids, people are going to be damaged by this ideology. Okay, that's enough time on the craziness. Let's move into some positive stuff because there is some positive stuff happening and God is always good. And so I do want to offer you some encouragement. I don't have time to offer you all the encouragement that I wanted to, um, but I'll just give you a little snippet, a repurpose, a little snippet of my speech um, from this weekend that I I think will encourage you. Um, All right. Uh, let me tell you about our next sponsor of the day first, and that is Epic Will. So something that we don't want to talk about is the reality of death, that we don't know when it's going to happen. God has numbered our days. We don't know the number of those days. So the best thing that we can do is to make sure that we, and especially our families, are taken care of if and when we die. Um, You want to make sure that everything is in line for your kids should something, God forbid, happen to you, especially while they're young. So that's why you need a will. And it can be really overwhelming hiring a lawyer, going through all the paperwork. That's why Epic Will exists. They make it really easy. So if you go to epicwill.com slash Allie, They'll give you a template. You just fill it out and they tell you everything that you need to do. And in less than five minutes and in um, and a really low price of $119, I mean, that's incredibly affordable, uh, you will have a last will and testament. And you don't even have to pay that $119 if you are a single mom with kids under the age of 18 at home. If you have kids under the age of 18 at home, you're a single mom, you get this absolutely for free. That's how much they care about single moms and just want to make sure that you and your family are taken care of. If you go to epicwill.com slash Allie, you'll save 10% on your complete will package. I encourage you to do that. Go to epicwill.com slash Allie. You'll save 10% on your complete will package. Epicwill.com slash Allie. Okay, so... We don't have time to get into all of this. I do want to be able to give you the encouragement I want to give you, but I just wanted to point out what's happening in the NHL. We talked about it a little bit, I think, a couple weeks ago. We talked about Ivan Provorov a few months ago, how the NHL and all these teams are having a pride night where they have to wear these LGBTQ flags and their and their hockey sticks have to be decorated in this way. And now we've got several, we've got several NHL players that are pushing back against this. Last Thursday night, Florida Panthers players Eric and Mark Stahl refused to wear the jerseys, citing their Christian beliefs. And they said, look, we've got, we have to follow Christianity. We have to follow our Christian beliefs. And one of the guys that we talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago, he said, look, the Bible is the highest authority in my life. And so I am not going to do something, whether it's for my job or not, that is going to go against that. And so now a bunch of these teams are saying, you know what, you no longer have to do this or we're not going to have the pride night anymore because there's too much pushback. So I bet there are even more players than what we are reading about in the news just saying, no, I'm not going to celebrate this. And also, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, now when you celebrate pride, when you wear these flags, you're not just saying, oh, it's okay for two men or two women to be together, whatever. You are now fully in endorsing this idea that a man can become a woman and vice versa and that children can be on puberty blockers and it's totally fine. So you have even another thing to think about endorsing if you are saying that you're celebrating pride or wearing this pride flag. So you're going to have even more people say, even people who would have maybe worn the regular rainbow flag a few years ago now saying, no, 
I'm not going to do that. But then you've got these Christians who are saying, no, I've got to reject all of it because the Bible is very clear about this. I'm not going to wear something that goes against my beliefs and the highest authority in my life. So this shows, like, even though we're talking about the power structures that are totally dominated by progressive ideology, we're talking about, like, top-down delusion. I didn't even have time to mention so-called Rachel Levine, our HHS assistant secretary, and his statement that he put out saying, oh, trans kids, yay, we need this so-called gender-affirming care. Again, very, very creepy, very immoral, very evil. So this is happening from the top down. But you also see when there are men, especially, I think it's particularly important to have strong men simply stand up and say, no, no, I'm pushing back against this. No, you're not going to bully me. No, you're not going to intimidate me. No, you're going to have to fire me first. No, I'm not going along with that. You see how quickly this topples? You see how quickly this goes? You see how flimsy it actually is? You see how scared they actually are? In a lot of ways, like we need strong people within these organizations to stand up and say, no, that doesn't mean there won't be consequences. That doesn't mean that sometimes you won't be fired. You won't be let go. But you have no idea the domino effect that it can have. So way to go, NHL players. And I think this is one example. It ties into the encouragement that I gave at the Answers in Genesis conference over the weekend that I get this question a lot. What are Christians supposed to do? What are we supposed to be doing? America's going to hell in a handbasket. Everything is just getting worse and worse. And in some ways, that's absolutely true. But in some ways, it's not. In some ways, things today are just as dark as they were 2,000 years ago. It's different. Sin has manifested itself differently. The threats are different. Technology poses a different kind of threat and a new kind of maybe more pervasive evil, more accessible evil than we saw 2,000 years ago. But if you look at pagan Greece and Rome, what was going on there? There was gender bending. There was rampant prostitution. There was rampant child sex abuse. And um, there was obviously uh, tyranny uh, in a lot of ways. And there was this misconstrued belief that human worth was measured not by anything innate, but by something called logos. If you look back at some of the ancient scholars during this time in ancient Greece and Rome, they believed that a person's value to the nation state, to the cohesion of the nation state was their logos, which is the Greek word for speech um, or for word or for reason. And so the belief really was that the adult free male was the only one with full logos power, with the full capacity for logos. And um, only they really could fully contribute to the nation state, to the cohesion of society, to productivity, to the new ideas that would advance us into the future. Women didn't fully have logos. Slaves, of course, didn't. Barbarians didn't. The elderly didn't fully have logos anymore. And children certainly didn't. Children were seen as kind of animals, as barbarians. And Owen Backey wrote an incredible book called When Children Became People several years ago. And he analyzes this. He looks at why the ancients during this time, pre-Christianity, kind of uh, marginalized all of these groups except for the adult free male and especially objectified and exploited children. He goes through a variety of reasons for that. Some of it was practical. Childhood mortality was really high and some of it was really more moral 
and philosophical, this belief that they just didn't contain logos. You could educate them. Maybe they could inherit your stuff later on. Maybe they could take care of you later in life. But really, that was the only value that children had. They didn't have any innate value because this idea of innate human worth simply was foreign to these cultures at the time. And yet what changed that? Because now in much of the world, not everywhere, but in much of the world, certainly here in the States, we have historically at least believed children to be a protected class, the poor to be a group of people that we need to help, the truly actually oppressed, even though that word has been co-opted to be people that we need to lend a hand to. So what changed? Because that certainly wasn't what ancient Greece and Rome believed. That's not what the ancient scholars really believed. What changed that? What changed these groups of people from being marginalized to being seen in a lot of ways by many people, particularly in the West today, as protected classes? Christianity. Christianity changed everything. Christianity made children, as Owen Backey, um, a historian, argues, people. Not just these objects, not someone that could maybe one day grow into someone valuable, but a human being fully that deserves, because of their vulnerability, protection. Christianity changed that. And here's what I think is interesting. And I've been talking about his book and I've been talking about this concept for a long time and how it completely revolutionized how the world saw these groups. And it changed the trajectory of the West. It changed society. It changed cultures. It was the foundation of things like the abolition of slavery. This is why Christians invented public hospitals. That's why Christians invented orphanages. That's why today we still run most disaster relief organizations and most organizations and nonprofits that are dedicated to the betterment of um, the homeless and the poor and children and the abused, domestic abuse shelters. Christians served as the foundation for all of these things because of this radical gospel introduced by Jesus who said, let the little children come to me who emphasized the already Jewish idea that all of us are made in the image of God, doubled down on that by saying, according to Ephesians 2, we are all equally dead in Christ because, or uh, dead in sin apart from Christ. We are all equally alive in Christ by grace through faith in him. So this radical equality, this radical innate value that Christians brought onto the scene completely revolutionized and disrupted all of the scholarly wisdom of ancient Greece and Rome. And here's what I think is interesting is that these scholars believed that logos was the measure of value for a human being. And then what did it take to disrupt that silly idea? Logos, capital L, the word made flesh, as we read in John 1, Jesus himself. Logos is the word used there. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, Jesus Christ. The big L logos, Jesus trumped the little L logos of the Greek and Roman scholars of the time. We read in 1 Corinthians 1 that God has shamed the wisdom of the wise and turned it into foolishness and used what is despised and what is weak in the world to shame the wise and the strong. That's what he did through the gospel. That's what he did through Christ. And that changed everything. So what did Christians do? During this time, yes, they were persecuted. Yes, they received pushback. Yes, they faced martyrdom. 
for disrupting this idea of human beings and how society should run and what justice looks like and how we should treat the poor and children and women and all of these things. But they continue to persist. They continue to persist in their daily lives, in their personal lives, preaching the gospel, how they conducted their marriages, how they treated their um, servants, how uh, they treated their spouses and their children, how they treated their friends, how they took care of each other as communities and churches. But not just that, they built things. They changed the culture. They pushed back against the injustices, the oppression of leaders. They resisted the tyrants. This is the history of the church, the building of hospitals and universities and schools, the education of young people, the teaching of virtue. This is what Christians have done for the past 2,000 years, especially post-Reformation. You are looking at the creation of societies, the world uh, had uh, the the likes of which the world had never seen before based on this radical and uniquely Christian concept of a human right. Christians have been pushing back against evil in big and small ways and personal and public ways and political and cultural and, and um, big and small ways for 2,000 years. And so what do we do today in the face of tyranny, in the face of an administration that so clearly hates us? What do we do today in the face of delusion? What do we do today in the face of immorality and lies and destruction and the threat of real persecution coming to Christians here in the West? What Christians are doing around the world, what Christians have been doing for 2,000 years, speaking the truth in love, living and doing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that can look a lot of different ways. That might look like to you in this stage of life, changing the next diaper with joy, sharing the gospel with your neighbor, um, making sure that you are a hard and excellent worker that is operating with integrity and enthusiasm. Um, it can also mean more public stances that you are making. It can be pushing back against unjust policies within your workplace. It could be maybe in your stage of life running for public office. It could be posting something on social media. It could be um, a variety of things that God could be calling you to. It could be planting a church. It could be going into ministry. It could be starting a nonprofit. It could just be volunteering at a lo local nonprofit. There are many public and private and personal and political ways that Christians can build that which is good and right and true. Refuges of truth and clarity and courage in an age of lies and confusion and chaos and cowardice. This is what Christians are are called to do. This is what Christians have always been called to do. And remember, you are fully protected. You are fully immortal. You are fully emboldened until Christ calls you home. All of your days have been numbered before any of them came to be. You have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. William Tyndale said, let his little flock be bold there." For, because God is completely sovereign over all of it. Nothing and no one can touch you unless God wills it. And God is faithful and good. So he is going to accomplish what he wants to accomplish through you. You have every reason to be joyful. You have every reason to be hopeful. You have every reason to be absolutely emboldened to follow exactly what he has called you to. And so we push back against these lies with truth and love. We don't mess around with any of these progressive satanic ideologies that would exchange the truth of God for a lie. And we represent that truth and love in everything we think, say, and do. If you don't know what that looks like for you, as we often say, do the next right thing 
in faith, with excellence, and for the glory of God. Again, that might be washing dishes. That might be reading your Bible. That might be sending an email, or maybe it's a bigger leap of faith than all of those things. I can't tell you exactly. You have to use discernment, wisdom from the Bible, also from others, and prayer, discernment of the Holy Spirit. But Christians today are called to what Christians have been called to forever, and the same gospel, the same strength, the same power, the same God, the same big big L logos that was empowering Christians to disrupt depravity 2,000 years ago is motivating us today. So we have every reason to have hope, every reason to have joy. Be bold, therefore. Okay, that's a little bit of encouragement I wanted to get you. Now, of course, the moment we've all been waiting for, a quick synopsis of Taylor Swift. I mean, we were just like, you just never know what you're going to get all relatable. We can get some theology. We can get some politics. We can get some culture. And then we can also get Taylor Swift. It's just what we do and who we are. Uh, Let me tell you about our last sponsor before we get into that segment, and that is Birch Gold. So we talk about this a lot, the instability of the future, not knowing what the future holds, wanting to protect your family. You want to make sure that your family is protected financially, diversifying uh, into gold can help you do that. Birch Gold makes it really easy to convert an IRA or 401k into IRA precious metals. And all you have to do is text Allie to 989-898. It'll give you a free info kit on gold so you can see if it is a right fit for you. Gold has historically been a great hedge against the stock market and against inflation. So if you want to look into this as a way to protect your family financially, text Allie to 989-898 to get your free info kit on gold. Text Allie to 989-898. Allie to 989-898. All right, Brie, now is the time we want to hear. Okay, so Brie, as you guys know, if you've been watching or listening, she is a uh, she's a resident Swifty. And before we get into it, because I know that we're going to get some curmudgeons, I just want to say we know, Brie knows, that Taylor Swift would probably, do you know this Taylor Swift would probably hate Oh, yeah. She would not like me. (laughs) And she would hate us because our values (laughs) are diametrically opposed. Like, we know, Mm -hmm. we know, we know, we know. So I am not hailing her as some kind of moral hero. (laughs) And neither is Brie. No. We like her for only superficial reasons that she's an excellent artist. And I wouldn't consider myself a Swifty. Which is, I would argue, is not even a superficial reason. I think you can respect people for their artistry. Yes. And also think that they have terrible political opinions. Yeah. So the left doesn't believe that. It's only the right that's willing to be that tolerant. <laughs> that's so true. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it is amazing. I was talking to my dad about this. He was like, why doesn't he, Taylor Swift, he, she, you know, says all these things and believes all these things, which I totally understand. But like, she's been on top for so long, mm-hmm. which is really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I do have a big qualm with her taking talking about how she would be so much more successful if she was a man because i'm like you she has a whole song about it called the man and i'm like you the reason you're so successful is because you're you're a woman woman. (laughs) and you've related to women i don't even know how she could possibly think that i know it's crazy she had a whole song about a whole i mean there's a ton of men who have tried to be like ed sheeran not as successful as her yeah. Maroon 5. I don't even know who male artists are. I know. Sam Smith for various no, reasons. No, if she was a man, she would not be selling out these 
arena tours like she is. So yeah. Okay. So tell. Okay. Tell us about the concert. Okay. It was the best thing I've ever seen. It was the best show I've ever seen in my life. And I'll How explain why. How many concerts have you been to? Of hers? Um, I don't know. Maybe 10, 10 or 15. You've been to 10 or 15 Taylor Swift concerts. No, oh, Taylor Swift. Oh, just Taylor yeah, Swift. just Taylor Swift. Uh, three. Okay. And this was the best? Oh, yeah. Okay. But best overall show ever. Okay. Tell me. Um, so she performed for three hours and 15 minutes oh straight. Gosh. Wow. There was no intermission. Wow. The longest break I think she took which was like a costume change was maybe like a minute and a half, two minutes. Yeah. Everything else was her performing. Um, she performed 44 songs. What? Yeah. From 10 different albums. She sings the whole song. Uh, some of them were shortened versions, Okay, but the I mean, I think most of them were full, full length. Um, and at the end, her voice did not even sound tired. Wow. So I don't know. And she does that back to back. So I don't know. Yeah. Multiple shows in a weekend, right? Yeah. And I, yeah, I was the first one of the weekend, but, um, I just can't imagine what kind of like regimen you have to be on <laughs> to yeah. preserve your voice like that. I know. Um, and she danced too, right? She kind of? danced. Yeah. yeah. Um, there were, if I counted correctly, 16 outfit changes. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So she didn't change for every song. No, she didn't change for every song. She changed mostly for every, like, era. Yeah. Of her 10 eras. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is the eras tour for that. Mm -hmm. So she's representing all she, the different yeah, eras. She's like going the red through her era. whole career. I don't think she sang anything from her first album, but every other album. Is the first album Fearless or no? No, she, it's just called Taylor Swift. Oh. Um, yeah, and she sings a so at least one song from every album and the whole, like, set costume everything changes based on like the theme of that album or like the color of the album so it really was more like a broadway show in terms of production and yeah. like sets and stuff than than like a concert yeah it, it was really crazy they got i brought a prop they gave us all these when we got in what is that's just like a... these are little wristbands okay and they light up and i guess they're uh they use like little transmitters to know where you are in the stadium and that like lets them light up at the right time. Oh. So the audience itself becomes part of the show and they light up like with oh the set. Gosh. And it's it's pretty crazy. There's a moment in her reputation part in the where she's singing from her reputation album, which has a lot of like snake motifs. Um, when the lights in the stadium like went around like a like little a snake. snake. Yeah, it was really crazy. That is wild. I wish I had a, a video, but yeah. I don't. Sorry. Um, I do have a, a image of my <laughs> my view, which was kind of behind the stage. Yeah, did you? but you felt um, like it was good, though? Yeah, I couldn't see her when she was on that main stage, but you can see the stage is huge. It goes across the whole field there. Yeah. And um, there's a giant screen, so I was watching the screen a lot. But Oh, my goodness. And you're <laughs> going to another concert right i'm going to another one yeah oh my goodness um, okay what was your favorite era not just your favorite era in general but like of the concert i this is not my favorite taylor swift album but the 1989 part was really cool just like set wise yeah. the dancers were great um i thought it was really fun but it was all i mean it was all really good she had me crying at one point because she sang a song that makes me cry all the time i didn't think what she'd song sing it. is it 
Um, it's called Marjorie. It's about her grandma. Oh. And um, it's like a lesser known one. So I didn't think she'd sing it. I thought it, it was did. about Marjorie Taylor Greene. It's not. <laughs> Believe it or not, Believe it's it not, or not about that. Is that. That's from Folklore, right? Yes. Which is your favorite album? No, it's from Evermore. Oh. Oh. Uh, Folklore is my favorite album. Is your album. favorite album. Yeah. I saw, I think you posted on Instagram, the All Too Well, yeah. which I love that song. Yeah. I would have <laughs> I would have been singing out. I probably, like, it's crazy because I don't call myself a Swifty, and I'm really not. Like, I don't follow her closely or anything but I feel like I know most of her songs mm -hmm. and would have been there singing them out oh that's yeah, so fun you would have had a blast yeah and so if any if I know it was really hard to get tickets so I'm sorry if anyone was not able to and this makes them sad yeah but if you can get cheap enough tickets to justify it worth it yeah I went the only time I've went to a Taylor Swift con I've gone to a Taylor Swift concert was um I think 2015 and I loved it. I mean, it was really good. Yeah. It was great. It was a great concert. I remember thinking that was the best concert that I had ever been to. Yeah. And so I would go if anyone wants to, like, I don't know, fly me to where you are and give me a ticket. I will not pay. But <laughs> if you just want to take me, if you want to kick a friend out of your friend group and say, all right, Teresa, you don't get to go to the Taylor <laughs> Swift concert anymore. Allie Bastucky is going to come with us. I will consider going. So let Sorry, me know. Sorry, Teresa. Sorry, Teresa. Sorry. Um, okay. Anything else? Like, is there any notable moment? Did she do anything political? Say anything? No. Um, no, she didn't really. I mean, there's a song that's like kind of about like gay rights, but she doesn't say anything down. about it. Yeah, he needs to calm down. And the, I mean, the production of that was really cool, like the lights and everything. I know. So, but, but no, she didn't what? say anything. Taylor Swift, you need to calm down. You need to calm down about that. You do. <laughs> you know what? I watched your little Americana documentary where you were literally crying about whatever the, who was it? Uh, Marsha Blackburn. Mm -hmm. Literally had tears in your eyes. You need to calm down about that that music video was so dumb i'm sorry but basically portraying anyone that has like an issue with lgbtq stuff with like dirty buck teeth and like i don't know like southern hicks or something like that yeah i'm like girl you're from tennessee okay yeah, it takes place in a trailer park that is that is like beyond <laughs> rude that I is know. like so it evil is. so you're a good dancer taylor but i mean it, i'm yeah i, I won't <laughs> say what i'm what i'm what i'm thinking um anyway so okay fun performance fun time yeah it was great and i just will say i was tired standing for three hours and 15 minutes yeah. i can't even imagine how exhausted she like must have been. Like her workout routine to like build up that much endurance. Yeah, and your voice know. and your body, it just must be insane. So yeah, totally insane. Yeah. Um, okay, thanks so much, Bree. I appreciate the contribution. All right, <laughs> that's all we've got time for today. Um, we'll be back here tomorrow. See you guys then. Bye.